my message this morning is uh, hearing God's voice. So if you'll turn with me to 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 11, and, and we're going to read all of this scripture, so I'll, I'll um, read fast, so listen fast. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and he ran to Eli. And so... Uh, and he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called Samuel again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a new thing in Israel, that which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Father, we thank you so much, God, for your word this morning. God, I pray that um, I would be a vessel of your Holy Spirit this morning. God, I pray that your words would come through me and that which you want to speak to us this morning, God, would come forth. God, I praise you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's important for us to talk about the backstory a little bit of Samuel. Um, Samuel, uh, if you remember the story of Hannah... And I love the story of Hannah. Hannah is one of the stories that um, when, you know, Justin and I struggled with um, infertility for seven years and Hannah was my go-to gal. I loved her and I loved her story and I loved to, um, to read how God um, changed Hannah's life. And so Hannah prayed a prayer. Hannah was barren. Um, and and she, she could not conceive and she went to the temple and she prayed and she asked God, to give her a baby. She asked God to open her womb. And so um, she told God that if you open my womb and you give me a baby, I will dedicate this baby to you. I will dedicate him to you. And all the days of his life, he will serve you. And so God did that for her. He opened her womb and he, and she conceived Samuel. And so um, Samuel, she, she nursed Samuel and, and reading back and, and studying and, and, um, and seeing what scholars say, because it doesn't really say when she brought Samuel to the temple, but it does say that she brought him to the temple when he was weaned. And so he was likely maybe around two or three years old. So I can't even fathom that or imagine that. And if Brittany was here this morning, I was going to tell her. So Brittany, next week, if you're watching online, Brittany, you can just bring Keaton here to church Give him to Pastor Seth and just say, we're dedicating him to you. You can just keep him. We'll come visit and bring him clothes when, when we need to. <laughs> can you imagine that? I can't imagine dropping my, my baby, my toddler off and just saying, I'm dedicating him to the Lord. But she promised the Lord that she was going to do that, and she did. So she took him to the temple where Eli was, and she, and she said, here he is. Use him. Uh, put him to work. And Eli did that. And so Hannah would come back, and she would come back once a year, 
And um, she would sew a um, cloak for him. And so every year she would bring him a new cloak. And uh, when she would come to worship in the temple, and that's when she got to visit with him. So once a year she would bring him some clothes and she would visit with him. And and that's just crazy to me. So um, we start this story in the scripture where I'm reading. We start when um, God begins to call Samuel. And again, it does not say how old Samuel was, but it does say that he was about, he was a boy. And so um, scholars believe that Samuel was about 12 years old. So for the kids in the room, I want you to listen to me. This is not in my notes, but um, God called Samuel to be an incredible prophet. Samuel was known to be like the prophet of all prophets. And God called him when he was 12 years old. God spoke to him. And if you'll go back, Um, if you'll go back and we'll read in a minute where it says the word of the Lord was rare in that time. So God wasn't speaking to people really at that time, but he spoke to a boy who was 12 years old. He called Samuel out when he was just a kid. And so kids in the room, you are not too young to hear from God. God can speak to you and he can speak to you at a young age. And so parents, let's talk about this for a minute. Hannah took Samuel to the house of God and she dedicated him to God's presence and to God's service. And she said, I asked you for him. You gave him to me. I told you I would dedicate him back to you. And she did that. Now, of course, that's not, we can't do that now. We can't just drop our kids off at the church. I know we'd like to sometimes. And I don't know if if nine-year-olds would work, but, um, Sometimes I'd like to drop my 9 and 13 year off uh, here at the church and just say, they're yours, Seth. You, you take care of them. Seth, Pastor Seth and Katie, y'all just, uh, y'all just use them how you want to, and I'll come back and bring them some clothes and visit. But, but they br- he, she brought him to the house of the Lord. And so it's our responsibility. If we want our children to experience the presence of God, we've got to bring them to his house. We've got to make sure that they're in his presence and that they're where they're supposed to be and that they're in, that they're watching us worship, that they're watching us serve, that they're watching us do the things. We bring them to the house. So it's important. It's important for us to do that. All right, let's go back to verse one. Bring that first slide up, Justin. It says, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent visions. And at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had grown dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. So it says that Eli was, I'm sorry, Samuel was ministering to the Lord. And what that looks like is, um, I was reading some commentary this week, and, and it said he likely would have been, well, he was keeping the lampstand, so he was keeping the light lit um, in the temple. Um, He would have been opening and shutting doors. He would have been doing whatever needed to be done. He was a servant in the temple. And so he was serving. So whatever Eli needed Samuel to do, Samuel was doing. And so I think it's important. I think think that's not, uh, it's not a coincidence that God put that in there. That Samuel was serving God in the temple. He was doing what needed to be done. And so... He was ministering to the Lord. And so sometimes we, we, don't, we don't realize that um, spiritualness, 
doesn't always look like spiritual gifts. And, 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 and don't get me wrong, it's, it's true. I, I love spiritual gifts. I love, I love being at the altar. I love feeling God's presence. I love being in his presence. But sometimes it's serving. Sometimes the things that, that, that get us closer to God are wiping dirty faces on a Wednesday night. Wiping snotty noses on a Wednesday night. Sometimes it's vacuuming the floor in, in the sanctuary because it needs done. Sometimes it's cleaning the toilets because they're dirty and they need done. Sometimes it's volunteering for something, for an event that you really don't want to do because it's hot and it's, you know, or it's cold or, you know, you don't really want to give up your Saturday. Or Sometimes being in God's presence is ministering in his house and serving in his house. And so it's important. I think that, I think that it's very important that God put that in there, that, that Samuel was ministering to the Lord by serving. So then it goes on and it says, the word of the Lord was rare. And I looked up this word because I, I thought, what does that even mean that the word of the Lord was rare? And it, and it, it, it translates to precious and, and the commentary that I was reading said, it just wasn't happening. There were no visions. There were no, um, if there were, if, if people were hearing from God, it was personal. It wasn't, um, at this time, there were no prophets. Um, if you read back in scripture in, in chapter 2 of Samuel, 1 Samuel, it talks about that there was a prophet that came to Eli, but it doesn't even name the prophet. And so um, the word of the Lord was rare in this time. And so I got to thinking and I thought, well, why? You know, why was this significant for him to say that the word of the Lord was rare in this time? So I, um, I read back in chapter 2 and, and tried to get some context. And um, historically, when God is silent, it's a sign of his displeasure. Lots of times in the scripture, when it talks about that God was silent or he wasn't speaking or he wasn't talking, it was because of Israel's, um, you know, they would go against God. And, and if you did Fire Institute this last, that last time, we went through the Old Testament and there were so many times that God would um, stop speaking to his people because they would start, you know, doing things that they weren't supposed to do. And so if you'll read, and I'm going to give you a couple of examples, but in Samuel 14, 37 through 45, and it says, And Saul inquired of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you give them into, uh, into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. And Saul said, Come here, all you leaders of the people, and, uh, and know and see how this sin has arisen today. So, so uh, Saul knew. He knew if God wasn't speaking Something has happened to cause him not to. And so he called his leaders together because he was inquiring of God to ask, you know, shall we go down? And, and he was silent. And so he said, come, let's talk about this. Let's see who's sinned. Let's figure out what's going on so that we can, we can hear God's voice. Um, he knew that if he wasn't answering, that, that something had happened to cause that. If you go to Amos 8, 11, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God. When I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, not a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And this was a prophecy in Amos talking about the demise of Israel because of their sin. And God said people would hunger and thirst for him to speak. And so historically, 
When God's not speaking, something is wrong. So I went back to chapter 2 and I thought, okay, so God's not speaking, let's figure out why. Well, in that time, Eli, and, and Eli was a good man, and I think Eli kind of gets a bad rap um, because um, he was the priest, he was the high priest at that time. He was also the judge, this is when they had judges, and so he was acting as both priest and judge, and he had two very um, disobedient, very um, vile children, and they were serving in the temple. Um, Eli was the high priest, and so his kids were helping, and they were doing things like they would go out and they would um, take more than their share of, of offerings. They would um, take the best food and they would, they would um, bring it back for the priests to eat instead of doing what they were supposed to do. And, um, and so God was mad and he was, he was frustrated with them. And um, he, uh, like I said, Eli, um, I, you know, Eli did, I was laying in bed last night and I was thinking about this and I thought, Eli was a, he, he, he was practicing gentle parenting. <laughs> I know y'all have heard of that. <laughs> That is a new thing right now, gentle parenting, where you're co-partners with your children, you know, and you just, you try to get them to, to do the right thing instead of facing consequences. And so that's kind of what Eli was doing here. See, gentle parenting was a thing way before we even realized it, and our 21st century people made it up. Um, anyway, so he, ta- he goes to him and he says, look, you're, you know, you're doing things wrong. You're not doing the right things. This is not good. Um, God doesn't like this. And they don't change. They don't care. Um, And it says in the scripture that they did not know God. They didn't know God and they didn't respect God. And so they didn't care. They just continued on doing what they were doing. But instead of taking them out of their positions, he let them go. He he let them continue. And that was really where Eli, I think, um, uh, went wrong. Is because instead of telling them, hey, you're doing these things wrong and I'm going to take you out of service. of the, you're, you're not going to be servants of the temple. And he could have done that and he should have done that, but he didn't. And so therefore, because he did not do that and he, he allowed his sons to continue, um, God wasn't pleased with him. And he sent a prophet to him and he told him, he said, he said, you are going to become an old man. And he said, your eyes are going to grow dim from crying. And he said, you're, no longer will there, there be an old man in your lineage, in, in the priesthood. And so God tells him, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you out because you did not obey and your sons didn't obey and you didn't make them obey, so I'm going to take you out. And so he does. And, and I think that's where we get, when we, when we get in, it says that Eli's eyes had grown, grown dim. God told him that that was going to happen. And he told him he was going to raise up another prophet. And he said that um, he, would, he would be greater than him. And so, so then we move down, and, 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 and like I said, I don't think that Eli was shocked. I think, that, um, I think that when God called Samuel and these things started happening, I don't think Eli was shocked because he knew it was coming. He knew, he, God had already spoke to him, he had sent him a prophet, he knew what was coming. Uh, but if you look in verse 2, and I think that's the second slide, I didn't, okay. Um, it says, at that time, Eli, whose eyes had begun to grow dim, so there's where that, that prophecy, um, so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. Okay, catch that. 
Eli was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. That tells us it was early in the morning. The lamp of God was lit at night, and it would go out by and at the day, and then they'd light it again at night. So it had not yet gone out, so it was probably early morning. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. So Eli had positioned himself in his own place. Eli was lying down wherever he wanted to, in his bedroom, I don't know. But it says Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Samuel had positioned himself in the temple where he knew where God's presence was going to be. And this is significant because, Sam, because Eli was, yeah, he was probably a little jaded by this time. He knew what was coming. He, um, he had been in God's presence before. He knew what God's presence was like. But after time and, and uh, him getting comfortable, he, he moved away from God's presence. And he was laying in his own place. And, but Samuel had positioned himself where he could, he could be in God's presence. <clears throat> if you get in the presence of God and you, and you remain in the presence of God, you're going to hear his voice. You're going to be close enough to hear his voice. And uh, you're going to learn his voice. And that, that's important. And then it says, then the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli. And he said, here I am for you called me. So Eli was close enough that Samuel thought it was him calling him. So that tells me proximity wise, Eli was close. To, to Samuel, but he wasn't in the presence of God. He wasn't where the ark of God was. But he was close enough that Samuel thought, this could be Eli calling me. You can be close to God's presence, but not be in his presence. You can do the spiritual things. You can hang out with spiritual people. You can um, do church events. You can um, be at church and still stand on the outskirts. How sad is that? How sad is that to know that, you know, you, you can be around spiritual people. You can be around spiritual things. You can see things happen going, you can see things going on in this church that are spiritual. You can see everybody up at this altar getting saved uh, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, being healed, um, being delivered, having miracles happen in their life. And you can see it happening and you can be close in proximity, but not be in his presence and not be a part of what's going on. And that's where, that's where Eli was. Eli was close in proximity. He had seen God move before. He had seen God do things before. And he was close in proximity, but he wasn't as close as Samuel was. Samuel was in his presence. Samuel was as close to his presence as he could get. And Eli was standing in the back, watching from the distance. And that's sad to me. It's sad that um, there might be some, some in this room that, that maybe that's you this morning, that, that you've seen God move. You've seen him do things. You've watched him touch other people. You've watched him move in ways. You've, you've even served and you've been around his presence but not, 
not fully in his presence, and you're missing out. You're missing out on the things that God has for you because you won't just step into his presence and take hold of him. So, it says that the Lord was with Samuel. Well, let me back up. Let me back up. So he goes on and, and, and God um, comes to Samuel and on that third time he goes to Eli again and he says, Eli, or uh, he, he says, you know, Master, did you call me? And he says, no, I did not call you. And it says, then it dawned on Eli, oh, this might be the Lord calling him. And that is remarkable to me. That's remarkable to me because Eli was the high priest. Eli had been in God's presence. He had heard God's voice before. But yet it was so rare in those days that it took him a couple of times to recognize. And it says that Samuel had not, had not yet known the Lord. He didn't know God's voice. He was, he was um, just responding to the priest because that's what he thought. He heard a voice. He hadn't heard God's voice before. And so he was responding. But Eli had. Eli it took him three times for him to recognize that, wait a minute, I think this might be God talking to Samuel. And so he tells Samuel, he says, go back, lay down. If he calls you again, you say to him, speak for your servant is listening. And so that's exactly what he did. He went back and he laid down and it says, God came and stood now, it doesn't say that in the other times, but this time, God came and he stood at the feet of Eli and he called and he said, Sam, or I'm sorry, Samuel. He said, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, speak, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And he begins to give him a prophecy about Eli and about the house of Eli. And um, isn't it incredible? I, I think, why didn't, he, why didn't he come and stand the other times? Maybe he would have listened. Maybe if, he would have, maybe if God would have come and stood. But isn't it funny? I think God sometimes knows how many times it's going to take us. I think I've heard Lisa say that before. God knows. He knows what we need. He knows what, what, um, how many times we need to hear something for us to respond. But um, that time he come and he stood and he said, Samuel, and he called him and he said, speak for I'm listening. And he, and he begins to, to give him this prophecy. And this is when he calls Samuel. And um, if we read on and we go on, um, go on to 3, 19 through 21, it says the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So he calls him, and he calls him as a prophet, and he begins to speak through Samuel, and it says that not one of his words fell short. That means everything that Samuel prophesied came to pass. He, he was with Samuel. He, he directed him, and he... Um, he didn't let any of his words fall short. And um, Samuel was about 12 years old. That's, that's, that's insane to me. I, I can't hardly fathom. And I know that there are kids who get called, but this was, and, and they call him. He was, he was one of the, the um, 
um, most um, prestige prophet that ever lived. So let's go really quick to the takeaway. Number one, teach your kids to be in God's presence. We talked about this earlier. Bring your kids to the house of the Lord. Make sure that they're in his presence. Make sure that they're in the house. Make sure that they're engaging in worship. I know y'all have heard me say, I've said this before, one of my favorite things that we do is have kids in the sanctuary on Sunday mornings. And the reason that is my favorite thing is because it teaches our kids to worship God. And it teaches them to worship God in a way that is real. They get to experience God's presence. They get to see you as parents worship. They get to see um, things happen. They get to hear um, prophetic words. They get, to, they get to hear the word preached. And I don't know about some of you, but I know in my children, it's made a huge difference. And, and so it's one of my favorite things that we do. I know there's a place for, for um, children's church and, and uh, kids learn through children's church on Wednesday nights. But there's just something special about them being in worship with us. And, and I love that. Um, number two, serving God's house. I, I truly believe that some of the most spiritual people are people who don't just act spiritual or don't just talk spiritual, but they do spiritual things and they serve in God's house. And so... I really believe if we want to be close to God and we want to, to hear from God and we want to hear him when he calls and hear his voice, I think we've got to serve. I think that the Bible talks about being a servant over and over and over and over again. And that doesn't mean, you know, um, break your neck and, and, and be here every time the doors are open and, and uh, make your whole life about being at church. That's great too. Sometimes I feel like that's what our life is like. I feel like we're here all the time and it's wonderful. But um, it just means, you know, be good stewards of his house. Give of your time. Be there when, when you're needed. Um, serve in, in places that are served. I promise you there's not one ministry that goes on or happens in this church or probably any other church in America that they say, you know what, I, please don't volunteer for this ministry because we've just got more than we can handle of volunteers. We've just got too many. Please don't um, don't volunteer for this. Don't, don't give up your time in this area because um, we don't need you. I promise you there is not one event or ministry or, or um, anything that happens in this church, and I can say that for sure because I know this church, there's not one place that we couldn't use extra people. There's not one place that we wouldn't welcome someone saying, I want to volunteer with this, or I want to help with this, or, hey, I want to give of my talents, and, and I want to do, you know, I want to, I want to help with this. I promise you the answer would be yes. So, so give of yourself. Serve in God's house. Be good stewards of his house. And I think that that's how, oh, oh, um, putting us in the right um, um posture to hear, hear God's voice. Three, position, position yourself in God's presence. 
Listen, I, I know, I don't stand up here on this platform um, on Sundays during the worship, but I know um, Joey and Katie and Blair and Bart do. And I would guess that there are um, a lot of observers sometimes in the room. And I'm just going to challenge you. If you want to hear God's voice, and you want, to, you want to be in God's presence, you've got to make a move. You, you have got to... You have got to take a step in his direction. And that's all it takes. All he requires of us is just taking a step in his direction. And if we will take a step in his direction, he will meet us right where we are. And I promise you that God is not going to force you to do something that you don't want to do. He is not going to cause something to happen in a service that you're not willing to do. Okay, and I'm talking about spiritual gifts here. I know that, you know, we're in Assembly of God Church. We believe in um, spiritual gifts. And I, I feel like sometimes... Some of the hesitation is, well, I'm not going to go up there and worship, or I'm not going to come to the front. I'm not going to put myself out there because I don't want something to happen to me that I don't want to happen. Don't you be pushing me down. I mean, you're falling out of here. <laughs> My kids last week, I'm going to tell this story. We were in a service last week at, um, at RFA, and the evangelist was up there, and he was praying for people, and um, people were falling out in the spirit and Abby thought that the first one had died and um, y'all I was like this kid needs to be in church more often apparently she thought they had died so anyways <laughs> position yourself in God's presence listen to me God is not going to force something on you and I know we've heard over and over in our lives the Holy Spirit's a gentleman and that is true but if you will, if you will take, take a step in his direction and say, I am, I am willing to be in your presence, whatever that looks like. And if you will say that to him, he will get you prepared to be, to, 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 um, to be in his presence. He will, he will prepare you for that. You, you're not going to be caught off guard. You are not going to... Um, um, do something crazy and act a fool and not be prepared for that. He, he's just not going to do that. Um, and so I'm encouraging you, be in his presence. What, how else? That, that doesn't always mean just in church. Um, being up here at the front, yes. I mean, I, I fully believe that, that this altar is a special place. I, I believe that, um, that when we come to the altar, it's, it's, a, it's significant because we're saying God, we need you. We're coming to your altar. We're laying the things down, and, and, and his presence is here. I, I believe that. But you know where his presence also is? Is in the word. And I think sometimes we overlook that, that God's voice is throughout scripture. And so if we're trying to hear God's voice, and we say, God, I want to hear your voice, um, and, and maybe some of you in this room are like, I've never heard God's voice. I've asked for God's voice. I've asked him to speak to me, but I've never, I've never heard him. I've never heard God's voice. I've never heard him speak. Get in scripture. 
Because scripture is where his voice is. It's throughout scripture over and over and over and over again. It's God speaking to to his people. And so if we want to hear God's voice, why wouldn't we go to the original voice of God where they where they went to hear God's voice? That's where we need to be. We need to be in his word. Personal prayer time. Get in your prayer closet. Ask him to speak to you there. Um, If you don't have a prayer closet, make one. You know where my prayer closet? I don't have an extra nook or cranny in my house for a prayer closet. But in my car on the way to work after I've dropped my kids off, man, that is my time that I spend with God. And I I pray and I listen to worship music or or I'll listen to a sermon or I'll... That's my time where I get with God. And then again on the way home. And so find your prayer closet. Do devotion time. Do, uh, you know, make sure that you're reading scripture because you will find his voice and he will teach you and he will guide you. And, and that's where you will start to say, oh, that's, that's what his voice sounds like. And you'll start hearing those things in your personal prayer time and you'll hear him speak to you. And listen, everyone says, man, I, w- I want to have a spiritual gift. I, I mean, it, we're taught, we, you know, we're supposed to desire the spiritual gifts, and that's great. But I think that until we get, we start doing these things, and we say, okay, God, I want to be a servant in your house. I want to make sure that I'm in your presence. I want to make sure that I'm in your word. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm spending time in devotion with you. You know, he's not, he's not going to give someone the gift of prophecy, and you just go out and start prophesying to people, if you're not doing these things and you're not in his word and you're not in his presence and you're not in devotion time, he's just not going to do it. Um, he wants to know that you're a good steward. You're a good steward of his word. And so, um, I think it would be very rare for someone to, to have a gift where you're hearing from God and you're speaking into other people's lives. If you're not doing these things, because these things are important. And lastly, when God speaks, obey. So it says that after God uh, gave Samuel the prophecy, Eli came to him and he said, tell me what God said. And he was really apprehensive. Of course, you got to understand. I mean, this is like, you know, if I got a harsh word for Pastor Katie and she said, tell me what God said. And I'd be like, oh, I don't really want to. (laughs) This is not going to be good. And, and I'm sure that's how Samuel was feeling. And so um, he was apprehensive, but Eli, Eli knew, and he knew that he needed it. He said, tell, he said, tell me what God's word, or tell me what God said. And so he did, and he obeyed the word of God, and he obeyed what God told him to do, and, and, um, and then obeyed when Eli asked him to tell him. And so when God speaks to you, obey. If God tells you um, to go talk to somebody, do it. The way that you hear God's voice more is when you're obedient when he speaks to you. And so when he speaks to you and you say, okay, God, I heard you tell me to do this. And if you're me, you're going, you usually say, could you tell me again? And if I look over there and I'm still feeling that way, then I'll go do it. (laughs) I'm sure some of you in this room have done that before. but, But when he speaks to you, Be obedient because when you're obedient and you do what he asks you to do, he'll ask you again and he'll speak to you again 
And then the more you obey and when, when, he, when he tells you to do something, you are obedient and you say, yes, I will do that. The more he will, he will gift you and he will, and he will pull that and he will, or I'm sorry, he will, um, he will begin to speak to you and he'll give you more things to, to, um, to say and, and, and more, more people to go talk to. So be obedient when God speaks to you. Um, there's been times in my life where um, I haven't been obedient to God when he's asked me to do something. And then there's times where I, when I have been obedient. And um, one time, I, um, I'll never forget, I, I was young, and I was probably 17 or so. And I felt like I was called to the ministry, and, and um, I was in a service, and there was a uh, evangelist and it was a woman and she was preaching and it was a women's conference and so um, she had called people to the front if they needed prayer well the pastor of the church his daughter was sitting across from me and I did not know her I didn't know her from anybody I knew her name I knew what she looked like that was it and so I felt the Lord speak to me and he said go over there and ask her if she would like for you to come up and pray with her and, of course, I did the thing where I was like, God, if I look over there again and my heart's still pounding, I'll do it. And then I looked again, and I was like, okay, God, if I look one more time and my heart's still pounding, I'll go do it. And so I did. And I walk over to her, and I said, hey, I just felt like I was supposed to come ask you um, if you would like me to go up front and pray with you. And she looked at me, and she said, no. But if you want me to go pray with you, I will. And I was like, okay. And so I was like, okay. And so I went up front and she come with me. And, um, I, I, but I'm, I'm, I was so into, I was already intimidated. And then she was like, no. And I was like, okay, okay. So we go up front and, and I pray. And, and I said, the, the evangelist come up and she said, what can I pray with you about? And I said, well, I feel like I'm called to the ministry and I feel like I'm supposed to go to Bible college. And she said, okay. And she started praying for me. And I mean, the power of the Holy spirit moved and, and, um, when I, you know, um, when we were done praying, I, I looked behind me, and there she was, laid out behind me. And I thought, see there, sister, you did need it. And so um, after she got up, she walked over to me, and she said, thank you for being obedient to God's voice. She said, I have been struggling. God's been calling me into the ministry, and I've been telling him no. And she said, you walked over and asked me to come. And she said, I wasn't going to go up there. I didn't want to go up there. She said, but I thought I'll go with you. And she said, then you started talking. And you started saying how you felt called to the ministry and that God was calling you to Bible college. And she said, I began to cry because that is exactly what I've been fighting against God. And so see, if I wasn't obedient to God's voice in that moment, even though I was apprehensive, and I didn't want to do it. I was young. I mean, I was 17 years old, and, and I'm sorry, but at 17, you're a little cooler than that, or I felt like I was at the time. And so then when I went to her and she said no, I was like, well, maybe I've missed it. <laughs> maybe I didn't hear from him, but I, I was obedient anyways. And so if I had not been obedient to God's voice when he asked me to do something, what if I, what if I hadn't have? What if, what if she never went to Bible college? What if she never felt, you know, what if she can continue to uh, tell God no and she didn't fulfill her destiny because I didn't go do something so simple that God was telling me to do? Now, I think God's bigger than that, and I do believe that he would have sent someone else if I hadn't have gone. But why should he have to? 
You know, why should he have to send someone else? If God's telling us to do something, we need to, we need to do the things that's important to be able to hear God's voice, and then when we hear God's voice, obey. Obey. 